We're excited today. We're concluding uh, our, our series uh, on parenting. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kid, kids are no laughing matter, are they? To raise kids is, is no laughing matter. How many of you who are parents have found parenthood to be an easy thing? How many, anybody? Nobody. Two of you, three of you, yeah. Let me ask you in 10 years how you feel about that. But, uh, you know, it's, but I tell you, what we're talking about really is influence. Uh, we're talking about influence, helping to influence someone else that they might grow in the way that, that would lead to life, that they would grow in connection and in faith in God. Uh, last week we said that if, if you want to, you want to uh, really help your kids to grow, you got to draw some lines. Here are the lines. Do not cross this line. Here's the rule. And, and when, you cro- when they cross the line, you can't move the line. you got to be the referee, and you got to throw a flag and say you're out of bounds, and you have to follow through. We've been talking about drawing lines. And, and we, we need to draw lines for ourselves. I will do this. I will live this way. I won't live that way. Here is my line. Uh, I will do it for, for myself, I'll do it for Christ, I'll do it for kids, I'll do it for the people who are watching my life. Uh, it's, it's hard to raise kids, but I'm here, to, I'm here to tell you today there's someone else that's hard to raise too. It's really hard to raise your parents. Anybody here ever tried to raise your parents? I mean, that is some serious hard work. And <laughs> God calls us to be an influence, so it doesn't matter if you never have kids this still applies to your life because God calls you to be an influence with your life. It's hard to raise your parents. Um, now, for those who know me well, know that I, I lost my dad while I was in college, and and uh, not that long later, there were all these guys kind of chasing my mother around. And she began to do this really awkward thing called dating. It is really not fun to raise your parents. I mean, how many of you ever have seen your parents date? Anybody ever seen? It's weird. It is weird. <sighs> My mother, of course, is happily married now and, and uh, has been for years. And, and, and Hank thought he was in trouble one day physically, thought he was sick and having problems. And I just remember looking him in the eye and saying, buddy, you better not die. I can't deal with her courting again. Just can't, just can't. It's hard to raise your kids and it's hard to raise your parents. And, you know, you know, the Bible says there's two ways to live your life. There's an easy way and, and it's broad. A lot of people live that way. There's, there's a hard way and it's, and it's narrow and, and, and only a few choose it. And, and Jesus said, uh, it's the narrow way, and Jesus said, I am the way, and it's intentional, and it's, it's purposeful, uh, and, and it has to be focused. If you're going to live the way that leads to life, you have to stay focused, and you have to work at it because it's so easy to be distracted, you know. Uh, <laughs> Maybe those who have gone on before you in your life have lived the narrow way. Maybe your grandparents have, your parents have, your aunts and uncles have. Maybe you're from a family of saints. I, I suspect you are. I don't know that I am, but, but maybe you are. And maybe they've lived uh, a great way before you. Uh, but, but, you know, even if they have to have, you have to decide how you will live your life. What, 
way you will go, the narrow way or the wide way. See, because no one will stand before God in your place. One day you'll stand before God and you'll give an explanation for your life. Uh, no one can do that in your place. You, you can't blame others. We live in a society of blame, do we not? You know, <laughs> it's always somebody else's fault, <laughs> no matter what it is. My problems are always somebody else's fault. I mean, we live in this blame society, but there's going to come a time where we're going to stand before God and we're going to realize, I really am responsible for me. <laughs> it really is my problem. Oh. I, I need to stand before God. And, you know, it's an honor to raise kids. It's an honor to be an influence. But we also have to make sure that we're living the way that will lead to life. And that way will also, will also help others. Um, this morning, we're going to look at a story from 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. Very early in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you might turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 3. But before we get into the story, I'll give you a little context. Uh, you remember in the history of Israel, there was a guy named David, King David. You probably remember that. He was, he was the same David as in David and Goliath. You know, he was the one that when he was young, he, and, and there was this monstrous Goliath hassling the people. He took out the pebble, put it in a slingshot, and plunk, you know, took out the giant. And, and there was also a king before David, and his name was Saul. And, and King Saul, he took 12 tribes and he turned them into a nation and King David made it a great nation and and, and after David there was also uh, Solomon and he made it not just a great nation uh, but but a rich nation. Uh, David and Saul both reigned for 40 years. Well David and Saul had something in common and that was both of them were anointed to be king by the same person. This guy lived a long time. I mean, each of those kings, 40 years, he anointed them both. What that means was he was God's prophet, and God said he's the one that's to be king, and the prophet laid hands on him and prayed for him and anointed him to be king. <laughs> and, and, and it was the same guy, and his name was Samuel, and that's why we're reading out of 1 Samuel. Oh. <laughs> one day Samuel went to David's dad's house, and Saul had been king, but Saul went rotten. Sometimes leaders go bad. He went bad and after 40 years, and, and, and God said, it's time for another king, and what you need to do is go to this house of this guy over here, and one of his kids will be king. And, and can you imagine having, having uh, Samuel come to your house and say one of your kids are going to be king? Can you imagine what? Whoa. It would be pretty stirring. And, and, and so... Uh, David or Samuel says, bring me, bring me the sons, and one at a time they come. And Samuel said, that's an impressive-looking dude. He's not the one. Impressive-looking. Mm -mm. No, no, not him. And he went through all the sons. Not one of them were the right one. And finally he said, are there any others? You know the story, maybe. Are there any others? And he said, well, just this little, my little baby shepherd boy doesn't amount to much. But Samuel says, bring him in. He comes and God says, he's, he's the one. The prophet that anointed them all is, is Samuel, this guy we're talking about. Samuel's mom was a woman named Hannah. Anybody here heard of Hannah? She was a... 
She was a woman who wanted a son so bad and couldn't have kids. Maybe some of you can relate to that. She just, she cried out to God and she prayed and cried out to God and prayed and didn't have a child. And one day she went to the temple and, and she was laying on the temple floor and she was praying so hard her lips were moving but no one could hear anything and, and nobody could quite figure out you know, it wasn't clear what was going on and the priest Eli comes up to her and, and says, woman, you're in the temple of God. You're drunk. They thought she was drunk. Get out of here. And, and she said, no, no, I'm not drunk. I'm praying for a son. A while later, God gives her what she asked for. She gets a son. <laughs> and she goes back to the temple. This is wild. She goes back to the temple and she has her son in tow in <laughs> with her. He's, he's weaned, probably a little kid at this stage. And, and, and she brings him to the temple and said, I'm so thankful for what God has given me. And this is my son and I want the best for him. Remember me, I was the woman you thought was drunk. You know, I, I want the best for him. So I'm going to give him to you. I'm going to give him to you. I'm going to leave him at this temple. <laughs> He's yours. Now, Eli, Eli the priest was not a good dad. I, I will tell you that. But he, maybe he thought, well, I blew it a few times. He's old by now. Maybe, maybe I can do better this time. And Eli said, okay. <laughs> and, and she brought her son to the Lord. She brought him to the Lord. <laughs> I think that's something that in our own way, each of us as parents need to do. We need to give our kids up for a moment that we might be able to be with them forever. Her son is a little kid and she brings him to the Lord. She wants, she wants the best for him and so she presents him at the temple. You know, I, I think if anyone would present a child here at Crosswind for, to be raised here, he probably wouldn't, it'd probably be a little monster, wouldn't it? You know? Pastor Scott, I have one for you. Take this. We'll, we'll give him to the Lord. And why do you want to give him to the Lord? You know, I... <laughs> but, but he's a good kid. And she brings him to a place that he can hear from God and, and that he could learn to follow. She gives him up for a moment because she wants to be with him forever. It's interesting to me, parents afraid to drop their kids off at kids' ministry. You know, can't give my child up for 60 minutes. I mean, what are those people going to do? Well, they love Jesus. They might teach him something. It's scary, you know. <sighs> what are they going to do, you know? Or <sighs> I can't take my kid to church camp for a few days because, ooh, it's too scary. What are they going to do? And she gives him up for a time that she could have him forever. I think we think of earth time as, as, as a lot too important. We really do. We, we think these years are so important. I, I tell you what, I'd rather have a million years in heaven than I would a year on earth. I don't know about you, you know. She gives him up for a few minutes so, so that she can have him forever. And, you know, um, you take a kid to camp, you drop him at kids' ministry, you take him to youth group, you're giving them up for a few minutes in the hope they will get to know God and you'll have them forever. Is it? It's so simple. And, and here it is, you might look, look at the back of your notes in the bulletin, it says simply, my job is to put them, my child, 
in a place where they can hear from God. The reason I use the word them is maybe you're trying to raise your parents. We need to help our parents be to a place where they can hear God too, you know. Uh, this, this is a great story. So Samuel uh, is in the temple, and, and this is years later. He, he's a boy. First Samuel 3, verses 1 to 10. It says this, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, um, the word of the Lord were, was, was rare. They weren't hearing from God much. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, uh, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. The, the light was still uh, on. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel in the middle of the night. <laughs> and Samuel answered. Uh, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am. You called me, but Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Go lie down, you know. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down, you know. Go lie down, please, you know. Uh, now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's a very interesting phrase, isn't it? Didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up, and he went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized, duh, the Lord was calling the boy. Even if you're a priest for a lot of years, you can still be clueless, okay? So if you think I'm clueless, check out Eli. I'm in good company, okay? You know, uh, Eli realized it was the Lord calling. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls, you just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. All because his mama could give him up for a little while all because she could put him in a place where he could hear from God. It is so profound that Hannah took him to that place. My mom did that for me, you know, when I was a little kid too. Here I thought she was just sending me to vacation Bible school to get a little break for the night. No, she was putting me in a place I could hear from God. Here I thought she was sending me to Sunday school so she could get a little break. I heard that I was a little hyperactive back then. But no, it was a place I could hear from God. A place I could hear from God. She sent me to this thing at our church called a lay witness mission where people talked about what it meant to follow Jesus. And I didn't know what it meant. People talked about the fact you could really have a relationship with God and I didn't know about that. Isn't it profound that Hannah took him to a place he could hear from God? She sent me to a retreat in high school when I was, when I was uh, in, in despair. And, and near the end, she sent me to a retreat, a place that I could hear from God. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? That retreat took place on a lake uh, over 
the other side of Hastings, Clear Lake. It was across the lake from uh, the place that I would be interviewed uh, for ordination. Interview is one word for it, being badgered for hours and hours by people that know lots of things is another word for it, okay? Maybe you've been interviewed like that. It was across the lake from a place that I would run, I think, 13 or 14 years of church camp praying with probably a thousand kids over the years. It was across the lake. She sent me to this place I could hear from God, and I heard from God, and God said, you're forgiven, and I love you, and I want a relationship with you, and you can start your life again. (laughs) She took me to that place I could hear from God. You know, you got to get away sometimes to hear from God. We wonder why are those kind of events so powerful. You know, we got to get to a place where we can hear not a physical sound, but a divine sound deep unto deep, speaking where we can hear from God. We've got to send our kids away so that we can have them forever. And that's what happened to me, and that's what happened to so many others, and, and it was a place Samuel could hear from God. <laughs> and he began to ask, what does it mean to follow God? What's it mean? You know, <laughs> Samuel had Eli, a bad parent. He was a bad parent at least until Samuel came along. And, and our kids have you and they have me to interpret what that means. We're invited to be Eli. We're invited to be Hannah, you know. And, and it's, it's scary. It's really hard. And so there's a prayer from Psalm 118 that I think is worth praying. In fact, I want to pray it with you. Would you pray this prayer with me? This is a prayer for everybody trying to influence somebody else. Oh, Lord, save us. Oh, Lord, grant us success. That, that could be your prayer for tomorrow. Oh, Lord, save us. Please. Ever prayed that prayer? You probably didn't even know it was in that psalm when you prayed that prayer, haven't you? I mean, yeah. You know, if you're going to raise a child or anything, if you're going to raise a child so they'll find God, I want you to understand that there are stages of parenting, stages of influence. Now, I'm not a child expert. You could argue with me about what the stages are, and, and, and you'd probably be right. But you have, to, you have to parent in different ways at different stages in life. And, and this, is, uh, this kind of explains why one parent's really effective at one stage and not at another. And, and the first stage of parenting, the first stage of trying to help your child find God is you, uh, you simply give directions. And you do that from when they're born till they're eight years old. You give directions. Time to go to bed. Time to eat. You know, uh, <laughs> that thing over there is a toilet. That's what you use to go potty. You know, you give directions from birth to eight. You give direction. Um, it says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Another version says they perish, they die. Happy is the one who keeps the law. You give direction. You give the law. You give direction. Not discussion. You tell them what to do, and they do what you tell them to do. Wouldn't that be great? Huh? You just, you know, this is not a matter of debate. We're not here to discuss things. When you give a child direction and then they ask you why, you say, here's the appropriate word, because. That is the appropriate word. And do you know why it's the appropriate word? (laughs) Because they need to learn that there are times in their life they will not have the answers 
but they just need to do what they're supposed to do because. And there's going to be a lot of times like that. You know, they need to learn that it's just good to obey because later in life their Heavenly Father, their God is going to say to them, yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. And God's answer is because. I have a plan for your life. They don't know everything. <laughs> and, and we want them to know it's, it's okay to say yes. If, if a child will never learn to obey you because, will they ever learn to obey God just because? <laughs> yeah, they might, but the school of hard knocks, you know. We expect parents to do what's right for kids, even if it's hard. You know, I don't know. I've had the experience of putting a child in a child seat before, in, in a car, an infant, you know. You know, they're a year old, and you, you pick them up, and you put them in, and, and all of a sudden their legs get stiff, and they have the power of Superman, and, they, and, and you, like, you get really passionate. No! And click, you know. Amazing. See, because we... I'm the parent. I know what's best for the child. And, and we're supposed to know what's best for our kids, even if it's hard. So stage one, you give direction. Stage two, you have a conversation along the way. Now, these are rough, rough uh, estimates of time, but maybe from the time they're like nine years old till, till they're well into their teens, you know, conversations along the way. You know, you talk, you listen, you reflect, you coach, conversations. And, and, and it's sort of like this. This is Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 to 9. Here's an example of conversations along the way. Uh, it says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Here's what you do. You impress them on your children. You talk about them when you sit at home. <laughs> when you're seated. <laughs> when you walk along the way. <laughs> you talk about them when you're home and when you're Along the way, uh, when you lie down and when you get up, you tie them uh, as a symbol on your hands. <laughs> you bind them on your forehead. Now, this is going to look goofy, okay? This is what you do. You bind them on your forehead. It looks goofy, but, but the children of Israel actually wore the law on their hand, and they bound it on their forehead, <laughs> And then you write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You put it on the door frame of the house. I'm going to lose it off my head. I'm in trouble already. You put it on the door frame of the house. See, because everywhere you go, you want them to see his law and everything you do, you talk. <laughs> you go to bed at the end of the day and say, oh, how was it? Has God helped you today? How has God helped you? You know, you, you, you talk. It's a conversation. What I want you to know is society has an agenda for your kids. Did you know that? <laughs> marketing has an agenda of your, for your kids. It's not evil, but what does, what's the marketing world want? To sell your kids something. And they'll tell you that they need it. Satan has an agenda for your kids. <laughs> and, and, and it's not in their best interest. They, that your kids may not want you to be their authority. They may not listen to you. <laughs> but you can... Talk to them along the way. I remember the day one of my kids said to me when they were teenagers, I was telling them with some certainty about a particular topic we were discussing, and they said to me, I just want you to know, Dad, I don't listen to you. 
I listen to my friends. I will check with them and see what they have to say. And I thought, Bill Cosby, I made you. I can eliminate you. You know? But see, this is the stage. This is the stage. You need to make sure they're with the right friends. See, because there is a time they will listen to their friends more than they will listen to you. But you just walk with them and you talk with them along the way. Stages of parenting. Number one, you give directions. Number two, conversations along the way. Number three, you ask questions and you offer assistance in predicting outcomes. That stage is 17 till death. If you're 80 and you have kids that are 60 years old, you still parent in this way. Uh, if you have neighbors that are adults who don't know Jesus, you don't have kids, you can still parent them in this way. You know, <laughs> Ask questions and give assistance in predicting outcomes. There's wisdom in godly counsel. All, all of us can do this. Uh, you know, It's kind of like saying to your child, okay, honey, that's fine, but if you go down this road, if you marry this drug-addicted crazy person, I think your life is going to be a mess. That's my prediction. You give them predictions. What will life be like in six or eight years if you follow this road? What will life be down, like three steps down the road? You can't choose consequence-free living. None of us can. But you can choose the consequences many times. You can choose your consequences. You decide to go to college. This is what life will be like in six or eight years. You decide not to go to college. This is what life will be like in six or eight years. You know. You decide to go into the army. Here's what life probably will be like six or eight years. No, I will not tell you what to do. But I'm just saying. I'm old. Been here a while. I'm just... That's what I think might happen. You, you, you talk to him three steps ahead. You know, as a 50-year-old guy... Why don't you just say, man, you're old. Okay, just, thank you. Now we clarify that. As a 50-year-old guy, I still like to talk to people that are 20 years older than me just to say to them, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? They've been around a while. They've seen a lot of life. They can say, well, if you go that direction, here's what I see. You offer outcomes. They make the decision. You offer outcomes. It's, it's really as simple as that. So stage one, you give direction. Stage two, conversations along the way. Stage three, ask questions and offer assistance in predicting outcomes. The last stage of parenting, we're simply called to persistent love at every stage of life, every stage. We have the responsibility. <laughs> I give up my child for a few minutes that I might have them forever. Why take your kid to youth group? Give them up a few minutes so that you might have them forever. Why drop them off at Sunday school? Give them up a few minutes that you could have them forever. Why send them to church camp? <laughs> Can't afford church camp. Give them up for a few minutes. Invest a little bit. You can have them forever. Does that make sense? Forever. I want to be with my kids forever. Forever. <laughs> you know, maybe your kids are struggling. Maybe you're saying, I'm a bad parent. I just want you to know, Adam had a pretty good dad, <laughs> and he messed up too. They have responsibility for their life just like you do. Do your best to bring them in a place they can hear from God, but don't put yourself on the hook. <laughs> it's their life too. Why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we just thank you for these kids you put in our life. We thank you for <laughs> kids of every age and of every stage from, from an infant that we baptized today to kids that are 80 years old.
And God, I just ask that you would help us to be the influence you want us to be as they, as they walk their way. Lord, may it be your way. Father, we pray for your, your comfort, God, as parents deal with kids, especially kids who go challenging ways. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our ushers uh, going to come, and we're going to take up our offering. In fact, come on up here right now, and uh, we'll take up our offering. And, and please drop your connection card in the offering basket. We're going to receive communion in just a minute. Some of you are from not, not from our church. I'll just tell you, you are welcome to God's table if you, if you are hungry for God and are wanting uh, to be serious with God.